I think a lot of times we we catch a a little bit of a slight breath of what God is trying to do. Mm. And then we take that little moment and we make it into this big thing and we post about it. And we haven't allowed the Lord to just like allow that seed to like grow and sprout something really beautiful. And sometimes that takes months or years. And a lot of us aren't patient enough to allow that work to actually be done in us. Yeah, I just want to like free up any listener specifically who feels like you're stuck in a rat race or that people have some sort of expectation of you to be this person or this persona or say these certain things online in this certain way that's God honoring. I mean, listen, those followers that you have, they can go find somebody else to follow for six months while you, you know, really get your heart right and back in the right place where you're treasuring the right things. Uh, They'll be fine. I promise. The worst thing that you can do is to suffer yourself or to um, take a back seat for what God is trying to do, but you feel like you have to stay at the pace of the algorithm and suffer and let your walk with Him suffer. Um, that's just that's just not the way to live. Hello, my friends. Welcome to Word Made Digital. I'm your host, Joanna LaFleur. This is the third fresh episode of 2023. The guests on the podcast today are Chelsea and Nick Hurst. Have you heard of them? Maybe you've seen some of their content. They have millions and millions of people connecting with them on YouTube. And so we're going to talk to them about what does it even look like to grow up, to have a relationship, to date, to marry, to do the whole thing in front of millions of people. So thank you so much to Compassion Canada, lifting children from poverty in Jesus name and to Scripture Untangled, a new podcast by the Canadian Bible Society. These amazing organizations you're going to hear more about later, but they are making this podcast possible and bringing this conversation to you. An important conversation, I think, today with uh, Chelsea and Nick all around how to manage uh, your digital life, your presence, how to be real online when uh, everybody's watching you, but you're also going through real life. So I think you're going to love this conversation. So if you haven't already, we've got, speaking of YouTube and what we're talking about today, we've got a YouTube channel. If you're watching this, you know that, but we would love you to hit subscribe and if you're listening to this, we'd love you to go check out what we got on YouTube. We have a whole back catalog of these podcasts. Now we have nine plus seasons of all this content that we don't want you to miss. And we also have a ton of tutorials, practical things about like, what does your website need in 2023? How do you navigate TikTok? Speaking of which, we're going to be talking to a TikTok person coming up on this podcast in the next little bit. So if you want to learn, if you want to grow, we've got all kinds of free resources and encouragement for you there on the YouTube channel. Go check it out. All right. So Nick and Chelsea Hurst, as I said, nearly 2.4 million people have followed them and their love story, their engagement, their marriage on their YouTube channel. And for Chelsea, the context is she grew up in the public eye because at the age of 14, she went to the Nick's Face Awards with Perez Hilton and she was competing at a national level with makeup as a 14-year-old kid. And then her now husband, where after he entered her life, uh, he has also been kind of part of that channel uh, and how they navigated that as a couple. But he himself is the head evangelist of the How to Life movement and he preaches all around the world. So you're going to love this conversation. I think wise beyond their years. Lean in as we talk to Nick and Chelsea Hurst. Chelsea and Nick Hurst, welcome to Word Made Digital. Thanks so much for having us. Yeah, excited to be here. We've uh, loved talking to you before we even 
um, got into the podcast. You're just so likable, honestly. <laughs> well, that's nice. <laughs> you know, you never know, right? You're meeting these strangers on the internet and you're supposed to talk about like big things going on in your world and sharing your heart with people. And you kind of hope the person on the other end you know, isn't like as boring as cardboard. <laughs> right. Well, like what a great way to open a show. It's like, Hey, you're really likable. It's like, man, thanks. What a high compliment, you know? Oh, man. Okay. Before we make this like, just like a conversation between the two, between, you know, our two cameras, um, please introduce yourself. Who, who is Nick and Chelsea? And maybe you want to introduce yourself separately. It's kind of fun getting inter- interviewed two of you at once. Yeah, yeah. Uh, man, I'll, we'll try and keep it under 30 minutes. But um, <laughs> yeah, uh, my name is Nick. I'm 25 years old. I'm an evangelist, live in South Carolina here with uh, beautiful wife, Chels. And uh, we've been in ministry together for six years. That's looked like a whole lot of different things. Looks like video creation through YouTube and social media. It looks like uh, me traveling and preaching in different uh, places and churches and conferences and events and all that sort of stuff, which is just amazing. And I see a lot of longevity there. And then it looks like, you know, writing books and raising a little boy and, you know, being faithful to um, our family. And so a lot going on around here, but that's a little bit about me. And I'm sure we'll get into all the details and the backstory of all that good stuff uh, as we get going here. Charles. Yeah. So I love that this podcast really talks about the behind the scenes of what it's like to be a believer online. And I started my journey online when I was 13. So started making makeup videos and have since almost spent 12 years of my life online. And a lot of people can't really say that from like a young childhood perspective. And there's some pros and cons to that. But coming up on that number really makes you really reflect, especially having almost half my life on the internet. Uh, which is pretty crazy. And I've loved to just create so many different things. Like I just, I love creativity. I think it's such a beautiful gift from God. Um, And the first way that started out was just through YouTube videos. And then it morphed into kind of like vlogging our life and lifestyle content. And then moving into podcasting and writing. And now I would say my heart is really set on writing. I love the process that we can just sit in and allow God to just really um, saturate us in so many different areas and then just like go at a unique slower pace because social media Mm -hmm. oftentimes has us go at a very fast rate. And I just love to be able to slow down. So that's kind of where I'm at. And that's where the Lord's really brought me from living on the online space and being a mom now. That's been really challenging and beautiful all in the same breath. Well, okay. Since it's what you brought up, I'm going to follow my curiosity here because, um, you know, later in the podcast, we're going to talk about this book that you've written and what strikes me in, in this whole thing. And I think what people are going to be struck by when they hear you, it it feels like you're saying you're only 25 or (laughs) Nick, you're 25 years old, but it feels like you've kind of lived like the life of like maybe a 40 year old or something. What I mean by that is like, you've done so many things in such a short, like intense period of time. And that's where I want to go back to Chelsea, what you said. And so we'll get there, but, but, but the thing that you said about like the speed of things, 
Yeah. Um, like the speed of writing versus the speed of the online work. Can you talk about that? Like, what do you mean? Like, what, how does that, what is that difference? And like, how have you noticed it? Yeah, I think having to move at that pace for a long period of time, like 12 years of consistency of posting, even though your personal life may not necessarily reflect what you're posting about, um, mm. because for the sake of consistency and algorithm and moving at the pace of that, um, you can't, I've tried my best to be completely authentic and transparent through it all. But there also are some things that you really, for the sake of privacy of your own family, you need to keep to yourself. Mm, and yeah. so the Lord has to process you and your family and what he's doing in his own time. And it's not always for everybody to know. Sometimes we just got to sit with him and allow him to teach us. But I would say the pace of the internet is very challenging for me, especially being a mom now and a wife and having my priorities in a different order and seeing that um, I'm really convicted about how I use my time and, mm. and what we spend it on. And I just want to be doing the thing that God has me to do in that season. And um, moving more in the writing direction is really, really where I sense him leading me because I just find so much joy in being able to just sit down and have peace and write through what maybe I've learned the past few years or a present hurt that I'm working through, wrestling with, I guess you could say. And I just love that pace. I think that's where I really thrive. And mm -hmm. um, I think a lot of people do thrive in a, in a slower pace. And it doesn't necessarily mean that you're not efficient or you're not productive. It means that you're putting your heart and your work in, into the right things. Um, and you can still be productive and, and efficient and, and move at the pace in which God wants us to move us at. And the world doesn't always reflect that. Um, social media doesn't always reflect that. Yeah. So I think it's just important that we question what pace are we moving at and where does God want us to go? Yeah. Um, so that's kind of like what I've wrestled through the past few years. That's good. Yeah. I was just going to say, uh, I, I just wanted to chime in really quick and just uh, mention, you know, I think Jesus was really right when he said, where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. Yeah. And so if my treasure is in getting clout online and trying to develop the biggest following and trying to have the biggest AdSense revenue account or trying to, uh, you know, sell tickets to a conference or even sell, you know, like, I mean, the, like this is real talk. I mean, like trying to sell copies of a book, um, yeah. like if that's where my treasure is, is moving units, moving numbers, so, you know, seeing the almighty dollar come in and stack up. If that's where my treasure is, then that's where I'm going to spend my life. And that's what I'm going to spend my life chasing. And I'm going to entirely miss the, you know, sweet moments with the Lord, the slower moments with the Lord, uh, because my mind will be enamored with all the things uh, that I'm chasing after and trying to go after. And I'm not saying even that there's anything wrong with being ambitious. I would consider us a rather ambitious couple. Joanna, I would consider you to be a rather ambitious gal. I think this is an awesome and very successful podcast. And I think, you know, much of what you've touched is probably, probably done very well. And I'm sure some listeners can resonate with that too. But uh, if we just spend our lives trying to stack up this line and column of accolades, um, and that's where the value commodity 
finds itself for our lives, then I just think that we're really short selling what it is that God has uh, put us on this earth to do and uh, like who it is that he is trying to form us into being as well. Um, Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I think that would just be my two cents on that. That's just something that I've really had to wrestle with and learn that like, you know, even like, I'm not going to be on this earth in 80 years. I mean, I'll be on it, but <laughs> I'll be, uh, I'll be a few <laughs> under feet, it. I'll be a few feet <laughs> yeah. under the dirt, yeah. but, um, you know, I'm not going to be here in 80 years and I don't want my kids or my grandkids or their grandkids to, you know, survey my life from the factoids that maybe my children or my children's children can remember and hold on to. I don't want them to look back at my life and be like, man, you know, he built, you know, a great business or like he did this and he was really well respected. Like I want them to look at my life and be like, man, he was faithful to the call. He was faithful to his family. He kept the first things first. He did it the right way. And he went out with integrity and honor and character. And that inspires me to do the same. And so that's really like, man, that's the good stuff. That's where the value in, in life comes from. And so when it comes to this whole you know, willy nilly speed of the internet and like how fast of a pace things are moving at. I just think we have to zoom out and look at the bigger picture of like what God is doing in this grand story arc of humanity and then look at where he's uniquely positioned us in it and seize the opportunity, but don't get so lost in it that we stop making the main thing, the main thing. Yeah. I would love to ask you a question, Joanna. I like, I'm really curious. Um, have you noticed a shift, at least in the online Christian space, where a lot of people are talking about like slowness and Sabbath and um, and the idol of busyness? Would hmm. you say you've noticed that or I'm just trying to, yeah. I guess, gauge if I've seen it? I think it's it's like maybe and, and definitely like kind of the conversation I'm seeing on this podcast with lots of people is like, even it wasn't that long ago, even like five years ago, I think people were a lot more hopeful about what these platforms could do and be. Yeah. Um, and even when I think in, I did my master's in theology and wrote the thesis paper around this idea of digital and like how to do digital evangelism and how to think about that in the context of the history of the church and how we've reached people with technology, like old tech, older technologies. Uh, that was 2016, which is now what? Uh, what's the math? Six years ago? Six years, Six years, yeah. And I think of even my 2016-year-old self, how I wrote, I personally was more optimistic. Hmm. Uh, and it feels like even now, and even like what happened when everyone went, like got locked down with COVID and everyone mm-hmm. went home and you realize like, oh, like screens are not enough. <laughs> like we, we want, we want more real connection, but also, oh, we're really tired because we've been so like the pace is not sustainable. Yeah. Wow. That's such a good reflection point too, of that year, 2020 really revealing maybe how exhausted a lot of us were. Yeah, I was going to ask this too. Like, do you think that uh, the pace of, you asked this question in Chelsea and it just sparked this idea in my mind, but like, I think a lot of us would say that we are tired from trying to keep up with the pace of social media. So like we're running this race, trying to chase this floating carrot that's kind of dangling out in front of us. Like, you can, you know, have the algorithm and you can have the followers and, you you know, whatever. But I wonder if 
maybe the reason we're so tired is yes, in part due to that, but also due to, to the observational side of it, as well as like the consumer side of it, of like every single time you open these apps numerous times a day, there's brand new content sitting right in front of you. And as soon as you go up and you see that little, you know, swirly uh, circle, it'll load for half a second and then it's a whole new feed. And And the notification, like those little red dots that you have to click on, it's like a drug. (laughs) I just think about like the human brain and like the human, I don't know, just like the original human experience. Usually in that context, it was the same group of friends it was the same instructors. It was the same mentor figures. It was the same family units. It was the same city. Uh, and going and venturing outside of that city was a really uncommon thing. Uh, you know, just kind of in the general, I mean, even 150 years ago, this was the case. And now it's like, you know, you can be looking at photos of Paris and then look at photos of Geneva and like mm. then be in VR and, you know, Venice And it's like, I mean, so much is just moving. And so I think it's tiring on the, you know, developmental side of it, where you actually are one of the people producing content, but then on the consumer side of it as well, it's kind of exhausting, just like jumping through all the mental hurdles of like, I'm here and then I'm there. And then we're flying in a plane and, you know, going (laughs) to the moon and like, you know, Jeff Bezos is doing this and Elon's doing that and he's building a car and launching. I mean, it's just a lot. So, and you, and even that, as you say, with the feed, this idea that you didn't ask for it, like you didn't go looking for information on SpaceX, but mm-hmm. it comes into your eyeballs, into your mind, into your life right. because you're scrolling the feed and someone else connected to you or maybe even not. If it's TikTok, it's probably not necessarily connected to people you know, but this content comes at your eyeballs and your brain and your heart and your soul. And you may have not asked to see that. And now all of a sudden you're feeling sad about a big thing that's hard in the world and you're feeling worried about this cause that doesn't have enough money and you're feeling like you're laughing with someone and you're crying with like you have like this breadth like all this human emotion and you've as you said it Nick it's yeah. like you took a trip around the world and like <laughs> like it, how can you know how can the the right. mind the soul like how do you carry that I'm I'm thinking about this this book I uh read and I'll throw it back to you with this um I read a book recently called The Psychology of Money. And so it's not a Christian book, but it's about how we think about money and wealth and what does it mean to be rich, you know, in our, like how we think about money. Mm -hmm. And um, one of the things was in this book that I've been thinking about ever since, because I think it's a Christian principle, is one of the best, one of the greatest disciplines we need with our money is to not keep moving the, the goalpost of when is it enough, Yeah. And so to throw it back to you, it's not just about money. It's about all the things. Like when I think of things like, and you can take this, you know, like the first time you preach in front of a, uh, you know, a group of people, it's like, oh my goodness, they let me do it. Or the first time you post a couple of YouTube videos and some people like or comment, it's like, this is so fun and exciting. Someone cared. And then the goalpost keeps moving. Like what's going to get you excited keeps changing. Like it's never, Mm -hmm. it's kind of like, how do you know like when it's enough or like, what do you do when the, when the views or the likes or the people showing up to engage with you? Like, what do you do when it goes away? Like how do you, how do you wrestle with that? It's called serotonin addiction. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Wow. I love that you're, um, 
you read a lot of different variety of things. I feel like that's really important because um, you're pulling something from an entirely different subject and allowing it to to have mm, a, a place in this mm -hmm. conversation. And I think that's so true. I've watched myself try to move at that pace where the goalpost was moving um, right in front of me because I was even almost instructed to to move that way um, mm. because all of these years, the internet has been evolving as we evolve, but kind of like what you were saying with the emotions and everything, it can be really easy to become apathetic and a lot of, um, I guess, causes and things that should cause us deep connected emotion with one another, but being almost overstimulated with it all in front of us, um, can cause us to just not really know how to feel anymore. Yeah. And, um, so I think even with seeing like a moving target of like, when is it enough? It can cause you to feel apathetic if you are chasing that and if it's always moving and, um, yeah, I, I would just like encourage anybody to really evaluate. And it's honestly making me think of our lives and like, what are the things that we were even praying for years ago? And what have, what has God given us? And we haven't even really been recognizing lately, mm -hmm. you know, like, what do we need to reflect on and just, just thank him for, um, cause a lot of my friends even say, you know, a heart of gratitude and thankfulness cannot coexist with like, a heart of like despair and frustration, you know, you can't have praise and like sadness in, in the same breath, if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah. Yeah. I know, know what you're trying to say. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't even know where we're really necessarily going with this, but I love this conversation. I feel like it's important to have. I hope you're enjoying the conversation with Nick and Chelsea. I want to talk to you about another podcast. If you like content, media, consumption, all that we're talking about, the Canadian Bible Society has a new podcast I want to tell you about. Why? Because the Bible can feel overwhelming, confusing, and even hard to believe. But Scripture Untangled is a new podcast by the Canadian Bible Society, and it brings you interviews with culture leaders, leaders in ministry, Bible thinkers, and more to help you be inspired to dive into the Bible and understand it. Actually, some of the latest episodes are with some songwriter artist types. We're leaning into that right now. And you can check out those interviews to kind of get the story behind some of the songs and the scripture that connects to some of the songs that you probably have known and sung for years. So listen for free and subscribe to Scripture Untangled wherever you listen to podcasts and visit scriptureuntangled.ca for more information. Info, scriptureuntangled.ca. Yeah, well, ev well, even in that, we were talking about, it sounds like, because one of the things I wanted to bring with you, bring up today is this sort of idea of like the voices or the mentors who who have or are now like developing you, whether individually or as a, as a married couple. Um, because you're saying like in your early days, like, so this part of your story is you go into the public eye, you know, I've, I've had a chance to check this out, like, about your story. You're 14 years old. You're, you're doing makeup on YouTube. Suddenly you're like at a national level competition. Your life kind of blows up publicly. And then like, who are the people who are kind of coming around you then to like influence you and like coach you and like, okay, now you're going to take like, you know, now you got to be bigger now, like, let's grow this. And that's not all bad stuff. I don't mean these right. are villains in your life <laughs> necessarily, but yeah. How do you like, 
like you're you're so impressionable impressionable when you're 14. Right. How do you yeah. navigate that? All these different opinions. Yeah, it's it's really huge to even to think back on. I'm honestly working through that, Joanna, and counseling mm-hmm. where I'm like yeah. saying, um, how did growing up online affect how I view myself, hmm. my family, the people around me. Um, and it is interesting to view as an adult looking back into your childhood rather than like in your childhood and necessarily really knowing what's going on and how you are being, I guess, coached in different directions. And I would say like my dad was very supportive towards me and my career, I guess you could call it at that time, because it was kind of a career, even though I didn't really ask for it to be. And I think he was also excited about the way that it was going. And so he would encourage me, you know, to continue to post and post more and and do more. And I don't think he had, he never had any ill intentions or harm in that. He was just excited and he wanted to do it with me. And it was exciting. Yeah. Yeah. He saw the momentum too. Right. Yeah. And Um, But I do look back now and see how that mindset can be harmful Hmm. um, towards young developing brains, especially Hmm. in our childhood of, you know, do more, uh, pursue this more because you'll see success and like basically effort and effort to the extreme is going to result in like extreme performance and being liked and doing things for the applause and all of that. And so I've had to really figure out all of the ways that that affected me um, and find out how I am actually viewed and who I am. And that's been a journey. So there's, there were like managers along the way. There were people um, from school that would really put in their two cents of what they thought of what I was doing. You know, there were people who really doubted what I was doing, but then there were people who were like, oh, this is new. This is different. I was kind of seen as like that weird experimental girl that like went to school with like rainbow eyeshadow. Like I just loved experimenting with makeup all the time. (laughs) But I don't really honestly know entirely what everybody's opinions were because I tried not to focus on them. Um, I learned to get a hard head pretty quickly because mm-hmm. I got quite a lot of negative comments like growing up, but I've had to learn into adulthood and like what it looks like to heal from even some like lies maybe that I've believed that mm-hmm. were as a result of growing up online. Yeah. So it's had its goods and it's had good and bad. Pro, pros and cons. Pros and cons. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm sure. And and so in the context then of your relationship, yeah. um, you know, you know, my understanding is you didn't know each other when you started that, you know, this thing that happened when you were 14, you guys met later. Um, you know, how has this, like, Nick, how did this play out in your relationship as you were dating? You're getting to, as you say, like, there's stuff that's private, that's not going to be on camera, but you were making decisions too about like, how do you navigate, like what to post, like, like millions of people watching your story, your engagement, your marriage, like, like the speeches from your wedding, like, like all the way through, there's been like this community. Um, how have, how did you figure out <laughs> how to date <laughs> yeah, in front I, of everybody? Yeah. I mean, that's, uh, I would say like even today, that's still a challenge in some ways. But, you know, I, 
I mean, I started dating Chelsea because I like Chelsea. I didn't start dating Chelsea because I was interested in this whole like bandwagon train full of people behind her. Uh, and in fact, <laughs> I never even, hey, let's let's just cut to it. I didn't even reach out to Chelsea. <laughs> Chelsea actually went on my Twitter and oh, liked a bunch is. of my tweets over the course <laughs> of about like, what, two or three days? I think I did it all in one sitting and then was you it? messaged me. But yeah. I mean, it was like... But somewhere between 50 and 100, I mean, it was very evident that you had <laughs> taken a I shot good my amount shot. of time. Yeah. So, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, I tell the story in the book too, but I was going, uh, to out of the Starbucks, uh, from the library at my college in Gainesville, Florida at the time. And I opened Twitter. I'm going to my next class. I think I'm going to like English 201 or something. And, uh, opened my Twitter, hit my notifications because it's got like the 20 plus thing in front of it. You know what I mean? Like Instagram, I'll have like the 99 plus or whatever. So it's got yeah. the 20 plus on it. I'm like, yo, what is that about? I mean, I had a few thousand followers, but nothing crazy. And so open that up and it's just like Chelsea Crockett, Chelsea Crockett, Chelsea Crockett, Chelsea Crockett. And so she's got the little <laughs> blue check. And so I'm like, man, that's interesting. So I go and hit her profile and, you know, check out a few tweets and, you know, they're fine. And I see your YouTube link in her bio. And so I click on it and I go to her YouTube page and I'm just like blown away by like how many videos there are and how long she had even been doing doing it up to that point. And so I click on her testimony video and I watch it. And I mean, she's just a, a puddle of tears. And uh, it was, I mean, it was really moving. So uh, I watched it and I, I remember I was like sitting in the hall leaning, um, I was probably like 10 feet from the entrance to my classroom and I finished watching it and I put the phone back in my pocket and I go in because I'm like a minute and a half late at that point. I sit through the class and the whole time in the class, I'm just thinking about this video and this girl and, um, you know, this just weird interaction that I just had. <laughs> and so I get out of class and I can't help it. I'd kind of been thinking about it, but I get out of the class and I shoot her a DM and I can't remember exactly what I said, but it was something like, Hey, love what you're doing. Um, you know, keep doing it for Jesus. Didn't expect anything. She hits me back. Long story short, we both end up going to passion conference in Atlanta. Um, and we meet there soon start dating. And then I was just kind of thrust into this, you know, whole new world of like, we're going out to grab some Mexican food and, you know, Chelsea posts a story and I like look at my phone 30 minutes later and I've got like 385 new followers. And I mean, it's just like this weird. Oh, like she's just, tagged you in something yeah, and then now like they're going to follow you. Yeah. This is super strange thing for me. And so uh, early on, I would say one of the conversations that we had to have was just like, you know, our value and our love is for one another and it's not for followers and it's not for people and it's not for accolades because uh, Chelsea is going to have to be married to me and I'm going to have to be married to Chelsea long after the followers fade and long after the platforms are gone and long after you know my my fingers if they ever get arthritis one day can't type books anymore and so I mean uh, that that had to be a real conversation really early on it's like hey we're in this for one another and not for, um, you know, the praise of people or, and I mean, we love our followers. We love our, we love our audience and our, uh, family as we call them. But, uh, at the end of the day, we're, we're living this. We're, and we're married on, to Yeah. Them. We're on this journey <laughs> yeah. together. We're not, um, we're not married to them. They don't live in my house. I don't pay their bills. They don't pay mine. So, um, 
yeah, that's just, that's just kind of some of the real conversations and, and kind of depth and focal points that we had to get to pretty quick yeah. early on because it really was like a whole new, uh, what's that, what's that movie? Is it, um, a whole new world? What, what's that movie? Aladdin. 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 Yes. Yeah. yeah that's, that's really what it was like in a lot of ways. That movie is so good, by the way. Do not hit my line that the live version of Aladdin was not as good as the original because oh. I'll, um, I'll have a problem. Joanna might disagree. I'll have a Robin problem. Robin Williams as, oh, true. you know, yeah. the genie. I mean, it's, it's just That's it's true. hard. To, it's hard to beat Robin Williams in that true. anything he did. But <laughs> yeah, so, so that's interesting, right? Because there's this, of course, there's this feeling when you, when you put content online that people know you and you're choosing what they have access to, um, but you don't know them. As you say, mm-hmm. they don't pay your bills. Mm-hmm. You don't pay their bills. They're not coming to your house. Or at least you hope. You actually hope they're not coming <laughs> over to yes. your house. I mean, uh, I know another YouTube friend is like very, very careful about, you know, he really, because there's just been some weird incidents, like he just really doesn't want people to know where he lives because there's mm-hmm. been some weirdos and they probably are harmless, but you don't know. Um, it's just like not safe for his wife and and children. Um, Mm -hmm. yeah. And now you've, and so like in this, I mean, maybe you, maybe you want to comment on that, but then of course now like the stakes get even higher. Now you're married and now there's a kid and, and what stakes is in like the decisions you're making are not just, we're protecting a dating relationship. We're, we're, Mm -hmm. we're thinking about how to present a marriage, how to present our family. And there's like some beautiful gifts you can bring the world, but also like, yeah, like not everything's for everybody. Yeah, definitely. And I had that really big pivotal moment whenever we had Hudson And we had to sit down and just kind of have more conversations openly about where we want this to go and what we're going to show and what we're not going to. And it's a constant conversation, honestly, because the internet evolves and there's been some stuff that has uh, been put out there about kids in particular and just what is found out there is not necessarily like, uh, it's just, it's just a lot uh, that we want to do to protect our child, but also just protect uh, children in general because they're so uh, innocent and they deserve a childhood too, you know, where we can kind of put a safeguard around what they see and what they're involved in. And um, it's, it's so interesting. If I put my son out there and really tried to grow a following for him, I just felt very strange about that, honestly, because... Mm-hmm. Um, he has no choice in that. You know, one day he might look back and say, I wish you would have never done that mom, you know, or, you know, thank you for the way that you set me up into adulthood. But, you know, I have this whole view of life that is different than all of my friends because my life is so public. And I just, I think we are are erring on more of the side of caution than of just post whatever. Yeah. And I think in that it's, it's kind of a hypothetical question, but I've imagined you've thought of it is like, you know, your kid is too, your son is too small now, but if he came in the future and said, I like, like every kid dreams, I, not every kid, a lot of kids say, I want a YouTube channel. And because you've seen 
the, you know, the, the benefits of it, but also like the harder sides of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, what we, what would you say? What would you, what do you say to whether your kid or when you think of like a parent whose kid is like, I want a YouTube channel, I'm 12 years old. I want to start this. Um, what would your, yeah. what would your advice be for them? That's a great question. I wouldn't even say I've honestly thought of that. I think maybe I would encourage all of the things that are inside of the growth of a YouTube channel, maybe like the video production and the editing and the mm-hmm. ideas and the the dreams yeah. and the, the ideas that are behind content creation. Um, but I would also give a really realistic perspective of this is what you're putting your content out into the world for all these types of people to see. And this is the impact that you can have, but... Um, just kind of giving more of a realistic approach rather than if you post beautiful things will happen and you'll gain all this following and like just kind of what a lot of kids are fed because all they see are these like TikTokers that emit amount to millions of followers because they can do a little dance. Um, I just think Savage. there's so much more <laughs> to life than that. Yeah. I, yeah. I have such a hard time with that because I know even that app is going to pass away and sure. all of these other apps that we're infatuated with. Yeah. So I would just develop the gifts maybe that come alongside of, okay, what creativity is inside mm-hmm. of this uh, passion of yours? You know, why do you really want to do this? Um, and maybe just have a lot more conversation around it before I just be like, yeah, sure, let's do it, you know? Um, yeah. And maybe even creating content and posting it on private <laughs> for a bit and then posting it publicly. You sound like you say that out of uh, experience or something. <laughs> There's been a lot of videos I had gone into Um <laughs> you started, later on and privated. You started filming on a webcam, right? Yes, on my on like the old school MacBook big computers, that little yeah. webcam. And I did like hair tutorials in my dad's office. 360p quality yeah. or something. If yeah. that, probably yeah. 244. Oh man, and I put like <laughs> Nicki Minaj in the background. I had no idea what I was doing. But I had so much fun. Um, I just didn't really know what I was doing when I was hitting publish and like that a lot of people could view it. So Right. And like some of those people are great and some of them are maybe not so kind. And so, you know, maybe let's go from there back to sort of for both of you and where you're at now. Well, there was a change that you made at some point. I don't know if it was gradual, but, but you moved really from like this makeup content to other kinds of content. And that's partly like, I assume just partly you, you got older and you had different kinds of content, but around the specifically around sharing your faith online, I'd love to get Mm -hmm. some insight for you both in how you do that. Because obviously there's a lot of Christians on the internet who are angry or, um, Mm -hmm. just post like posting crazy conspiracy theories all the time or wanting to have an argument with people. I mean, I mean, there seems to be like a lot of, uh, supposedly Christian content that just leans, um, like away, I think from (laughs) love, joy, peace, patience, you know, like the fruits of the spirit. And so, uh, you know, putting that out in some ways is kind of risky, uh, because you might lose people if you start talking about that stuff. Mm-hmm. I, I guess broadly, how how did you guys decide you wanted to do that kind of content? Um, do you see this as a ministry? 
Um, let's open that yeah. conversation. Let's talk about sharing, sharing your lives and like your faith lives online. Yeah, that's excellent. Uh, in short, yes, it is a ministry. It is a very real, authentic ministry. I mean, we've seen people come to faith, but mm-hmm. I think what wow. we're talking about as far as online, I, I look at things, Chelsea will testify to this. I look at life much of the time in a very mechanical way. And so when we're talking about posting, we're talking about sharing our faith online, sharing our faith in general, this is an output. This is a, this is a, um, something that is happening as a result of something else happening. And so I think that what's more important than anything is to just clarify on the upfront that everybody who is wanting to build a Christian audience or who is wanting to just be passionate and not even care about an audience, but share their faith online and whoever sees it, sees it. And that's great. Uh, but all of that is an output and everybody usually, not everybody, but a lot of people usually just want to jump straight to the output because, Mm. uh, that's where, you know, that's where it happens. That's where the content's made. That's where it's put out to see. Uh, but, a pastor that we got to hang out with a few years ago um, down in Daytona Beach, they were doing an event. He said something that really has stuck with me over the years. And he said, um, everybody wants to share, but they have nothing to say. And I was really struck by that because I think a lot of times we just get in the hustle and bustle of creation, 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 output, 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 distribution, distribution. But really, I think the most important element is to sit for a while Mm -hmm. and to allow the input side of things um, as far as like what the Lord wants to say to me. What is my personal life like? What is my uh, character like? What is my uh, integrity like? What is my actual um, faith life like offline? Am I more of a Christian online than I am offline? Would people on my Instagram who follow me say that I love Jesus more than my neighbors would or that my pastors would or that, you know, whoever like actually sees me on a day to day basis would. And so I've just honestly, really, in a lot of ways, just kind of calmed down from the output side of things. If you go look at my Instagram, you'll see that this is true. (laughs) Pretty much a lot of my Instagram content now is just Chelsea um, being a collaborator with me and just inviting me. Except, <laughs> except. Um, so yeah, I'm working my way back into yeah. sharing, but I think I just had to take a while and get my identity completely out of being an online influencer or an online creator and really just allow the Lord to speak to me and not feel like I always have to say that or to share that, but to just let it be for me. And then the this is where it gets good, good, is that like out as a result of that, the overflow as to what comes out of that time and what comes out of that, you know, just sitting with him um, is, I think, how it's supposed to be. So the overflow, just the outpouring of the spirit um, in my life is really when that content becomes real. That's when people, I think, see it the most clearly as it should be. And that's what, honestly when it becomes fun. It's like now I'm excited to share with you and I don't feel like I have to. And so, um, yeah, it's an absolute ministry, 100%. But uh, just keeping it in the right order, I would say, yeah. is the hardest thing. Because there's so many gifted yeah. communicators out there. I mean, we would all agree with that. So many gifted yeah. communicators. But it's really hard to tell like, who is actually with him, who is spending time with him versus like who is using him to get notoriety and build an audience and build a platform. And I don't ever want to be pessimistic about 
you know, people's intentions. Uh, and a lot of times it's not their intentions. They're just really excited about seeing a new audience grow and all that stuff. But, um, yeah, making sure that the input is there first and then allowing the output to just be a natural overflow into the online space, sharing that, voicing that through Instagram and stories and video and just like what Jesus is doing here and now and where you sense that he's moving you in the future. I mean, all that stuff is the good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Joanna, I would just say it's like a reflection of what God's already doing in your life already. Um, if I am posting something for the sake of like, oh, I got this really crazy word from God and I think everybody needs to hear it. I'm like always now checking my heart and am I attaching my identity to what I'm like pouring out towards people and expecting a response and them to understand it and then moving on from what God is already trying to sow into my heart. I think a lot of times we we catch a, a little bit of a slight breath of what God is trying to do. Mm. And then we take that little moment and we make it into this big thing and we post about it. And we haven't allowed the Lord to just like allow that seed to like grow and sprout yeah. something really beautiful. And sometimes that takes months or years. And a lot of us aren't patient enough to allow that work to actually be done in us. And so we've kind of gone quiet over the past few years of allowing those seeds to really be planted in us and in our marriage and our home um, and haven't really been outputting a whole mm. ton um, because we really believe God's pivoting us into a new direction of, of really creating out of a place of refreshment and of things that we've just journeyed and, and done with him. Mm -hmm. um, and so I just always ask people like, just, just check your heart, like allow the Lord to expose why you're doing what you do, because your identity and who you are in God, like needs to be completely apart from what you do. Hmm. Um, and that's hard for yeah. a lot of us. Yeah. Yeah. And there's more well, important things than just posting uh, Christian content online. I mean, as far as like in the generality of life, yeah. like, yeah, um, I, yeah, I just want to like free up any listener specifically who feels mm -hmm. like you're st stuck in a rat race or that people have some sort of expectation of you to be this person or this persona or say these certain things online in this certain way that's God honoring. I mean, listen, those followers that you have, they can go find somebody else to follow for six months while you, you know, really get your heart right and back in the right place where you're treasuring the right things. Uh, they'll be fine. I promise. But the worst thing that you can do, <laughs> so good. the worst thing yeah. that you can do is to suffer yourself or to um, take a back seat for what God is trying to do, but you feel like you have to stay at the pace of the algorithm and suffer yeah. and let your walk with him suffer. Yeah. Um, that's just, that's just not the way to live. Like I was thinking on this, you know, probably a year ago, I was having this conversation. Like, what is it worth for me to go and preach or to preach online or whatever and invite people to knowing this Jesus who has changed my life and he's changed my story but yet I wake up every day anxious and worried and fearful and like I feel like I've got to do, 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 do more, more, more. And I feel this pressure and I'm just thinking like, okay, for the middle schooler or for the high schooler or for the whatever age person that I'm talking to, are they going to feel this exact same way in three, four, five, mm -hmm. six years of following? Like, 
why, like, why would I invite anybody to sign up for like how I'm feeling right now? You know? Yeah. Wow. Like what, like, what's that worth? Like, oh, I invite you to this great idea now. And then in six years, you're just going to be super anxious trying to make content <laughs> like that. I mean, that's, yeah, that's it's like, I keep, not, I keep having this idea, like gain the, gain the algorithm and lose your soul or something right. like that. I was just thinking like, about that scripture. Yeah, yeah. Like, why would you try to gain the whole world and lose your soul? Yeah. yeah. That's so good. Pausing the conversation again with Nick and Chelsea to talk to you about what can feel like a buzzword right now, transformation. Like, what does that even mean? What does that even look like? Well, one place that I've seen transformation so evident is in the stories of former Compassion children and the ones that I've actually met, graduates or alumni of the Compassion program who are now adults and are telling their stories of how sponsorship actually impacted and transformed their life. Like Rhea, I've met Rhea. She's originally from the Philippines and had this impactful line as she shares her story. Knowing that someone cares for you, someone you've never met cares for you. It changes you. Rhea's story is powerful and it highlights how being sponsored built Christ-like confidence in her that empowered her to take hold of a future free from the poverty that her family was stuck in. So today she's a passionate advocate for kids and sponsors a child of her own. How cool is this? In the same community where she grew up. So if you're interested in checking out more about child sponsorship, how it actually transforms lives, how you can get involved, you can find more of the stories of those alumni of the program like Rhea and you can check it out at compassion.ca slash if only compassion.ca slash if only and as always the link will be down in the show notes but that's huge what you're saying Nick about this idea of like first of all people will be just fine if you need to go take a break because they have other people they can be entertained by all day there's millions of others right. out there and you're not their, their, you're not their world. They don't pay your bills. You don't pay their bills. I love that quote. <laughs> but more than that, as you were saying this, just this idea that like, what are we inviting people into? Like checking, like if we're an anxious mess, then what is the good news that we offer? Um, mm -hmm. If our life looks just like everybody else's, we need to do it different. And I think in that, of course, everything about this world is so new. I mean, you've been doing this, you know, Chelsea, since, you know, 13, 14, something like that. But in the scale, as we said, in the scale of the story of humans, this is such a small, small piece of the story. We don't really mm -hmm. know how it's all going to affect us and shake out. So we have to try and figure out where to get wisdom and what to do um, right. without like a roadmap because everything is so new. But as you're doing that, you're talking about the inflow outflow. I want to make sure we talk about this. I feel like, I feel like we could probably have a, like a very long conversation about all this. I'm, I'm oh, feel yeah. like I'm just warming up with you guys in some way. <laughs> but I'm I wanna... like, what have we been going for like 10 minutes? <laughs> <laughs> but the, the, but of course, what, one of the things that is like an outflow, you've kind of done some pullback, like let's, uh, you know, let's protect what's most important. And coming out of that, you've written this book, Marriage Minded, 10 Ways to Know If You Found the One. So mm -hmm. maybe at its most simple, like why this book now? Maybe there's some, you know, contractual reasons why, but outside of that side of it, whatever's paper you had to oh, sign yeah. to, to write a book, um, you know, why, why this topic? Why this, like, I mean, you're new, you know, is, you know, you're new at marriage yourselves and yet you seem to right. clearly present a lot of wisdom already in the last, you know, 45 mm -hmm. minutes we've been talking. So why, thank you. why this? Can I just super short? 
Oh, super I'll, short. Can I one, do it? One you just talked. One, one sentence. <laughs> one oh sentence, I promise. Okay. This generation is so confused about how romantic dating, engagement, and marriage relationships should look from a biblical perspective. Hmm. That's why we wrote the book. Yeah. The desire of our hearts uh, when we first got married was to create a resource that we really needed in that time. Um, And we wanted to do it from like a brotherly sister perspective rather than an older, wise mentor, because we think there's a place for both. We really, really encourage people to read like, you know, all the pre-marriage books and that's great. But what do you do before you say I do? Like, what does that look like? And so we wanted people to feel like they're holding hands with people who get it, who made mistakes along the way, but also had a, a little bit of like, okay, we look back and we wish we would have done this. And we love that this person gave us this advice and this is what scripture says. And how does this look in comparison to what your walk looks like right now in dating and engagement or even in your single journey? Yeah. And so um, tell me more about that because so I'm a millennial, if you can't tell by looking at me. And, uh, uh, you know, Gen Z is something... It feels like I remember when, when I was, no, it makes me sound so old. When I was 25, people talking about millennials all the time. Like millennials was like the thing. Uh, It was a generation that was very studied, even like in church studies and data. Everyone Mm -hmm. wanted to understand like how to reach millennials. And now I think the conversation has shifted because we all got old and uninteresting. But uh, (laughs) talk to us. I mean, I don't think we're that uninteresting, but you know what I'm saying? It's like this, the chasing of youth is just a thing that everybody does. And so um, what is this that you're saying? Like people don't know how to date. I, I see like so much in like the land of memes and jokes online and all this stuff about like how these dating apps are terrible. But like, can you paint a picture for like, how, how does it feel in like, as you say, like brotherly and sisterly, like not from the millennial or the older people looking down, like as the mm-hmm. peer, like what is, what is your view of what's going on in dating? Are people even dating? Cause I've heard too, people are, are not dating as much. There's less teen pregnancies. Like people don't even know how to interact. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. I would say what we notice with our generation is because a lot of people don't necessarily know how to communicate very clearly and upfront about what they desire or what, Mm. um, what they even want. They don't, a lot of people don't even know what they want. Mm. They don't even sit down and like actually reflect in, in themselves of like, what, who do I want to pair up with for the rest of my life? If I desire marriage, like, what does that look like? And I just see a lot of like lighthearted, like lightly dating people talking, like dating multiple people at once. And first of all, you know, that's obviously not biblical, but it's also going to cause inner turmoil in your heart of like, who am I? What am I doing? And it's just going to cause further and further confusion and so we very clearly laid out, like, these are our intentions for you. And if you find yourself even getting off of an older relationship that was really hurtful to you, hmm. we've been there. We know what that looks like. We know what it looks like to like do it all wrong and God to give us so much grace in the moment, in those moments hmm. and to lead us to each other and 
kind of intertwine like our God story that there can be so much healing and redemption if you're like committed to that work. And we just wanted to be like that brother, sister, where if we were sitting down at a coffee shop or in their house, they would feel like they're just sitting across another couple that's really trying to deeply understand them and guide them into like, this is possible. Like a lifelong committed marriage is possible. And you can do all of these things very simple things leading up to it and not be alone in it. I think that there is a desire that each and every single one of us have relationally, but uh, especially in Generation Z. And I think, honestly, it's in every single generation. I think that you can go to millennial, Gen X, um, you know, all the way back to baby boomers and the greatest generation and, you know, on and on and on the list goes. I just think that there's some sense of confusion or some sense of tension in every generation where every generation desires intimacy, they desire um, marriage, they desire like true romance, um, you know, in its purest, most God-given form. But there's this disconnect of like how to actually access it. And there doesn't seem to be a roadmap a lot of times. And so for us, we really just kind of had to figure it out in a lot of ways. It looked a lot like asking people and it looked a lot like... Um, really trying to get down to the root of what was going on in our hearts and in our lives and what our desires were pointing to. But uh, I, I just think it took a lot of journeying through that process. And so for us on the other side of creating Marriage Minded, we really wanted to create 10 biblical components that people could really grab a hold of that were mm -hmm. timeless, uh, that weren't a fad. And it's not just our story. Uh, it's not a yeah. book about our story or anything like that. There's elements of our story woven into it, but that's not the, the main yeah. point of the book at all. Um, and, and that's really how it came to be. We really wanted to be an arm around the shoulder of our generation as we stand next mm -hmm. to them and do life with them on a day-to-day -day basis online. And then obviously in real life too, rather than wait until we're 50 or 60 and, you know, we have a master's or a PhD or whatever. And we're just kind of like waving the finger. Yeah. And so like, this is how you ought to do it. Like, this is how we did it in my day. And it's like, you know, we just didn't, we didn't want to be uh, those people. Not that there's anything wrong with that. I mean, I've read, you know, numerous books, right, on that, um, from that, from that angle. But that's just not the angle that we wanted to come from, at least at this season in our life. Yeah, um, I wanted to give a little, I wanted just to give a quick little insight to just the timeless part of it. Um, we've read a lot of books and seen a lot of books that have come out recently by couples where a lot of publishers like to slap their faces on the cover because, you know, they're famous on social media or they think they could sell a lot of books because they're beautiful, lovely people. And I'm sure they do. But we intentionally, out of all the little mock-up covers that we were creating, um, we chose the one where we're completely turned away and you can't even tell huh. who we are because... Mm the last thing we want people thinking as they're reading a book like this is, oh, this is just another book of a cheesy love story about these two people where it's going to become a completely irrelevant in 50 years. We want this to be a resource for each generation that repopulates itself, you know, that continues to get older. Um, and going back to the Bible of what all of this says, because even if mm. they take and leave certain things that are in this book, there's scripture that you can go back to and actually walk through with God of what he wants to teach you in these moments. And um, the thing that we've learned over the years is even though you have like the best intentions to, to walk this walk out in dating and relationships, 
sometimes the Lord has to heal you of personal hurt and trauma in the past. Um, your childhood, the way you were raised, all of those things come into play. And that's what we talk about in this book. And just having a really open dialogue in that time of your life is huge. Mm. So yeah. Talk about money, character, secrets. I mean, yeah, a lot, like a lot yeah, of, you go all, you go to all those places. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Not a lot yeah. of, uh, it, uh, Hey, I'm going to just tell you if you're listening and you're looking for a softball, pick me up kind of book, don't go get mine. It ain't, <laughs> it ain't the one I will just tell you now, save your money. <laughs> Yeah, it sounds like I love that. It sounds like you're asking people to like dig in, dive in, do the work. Yeah. Because that will make the relationship, you know, thrive. Mm -hmm. So right. if people if people want to to find you, maybe I'll say, where do you want them to go for the book? Um, send them somewhere for the book, but also if they're going to check you out on YouTube, is there like a video, like, do you just want them to start, like start with the newest stuff or is there like a certain video, like go watch this is a great intro to who we are yeah. on the, on the YouTubes. That's a great question. I would say for books, it's found anywhere. Books are sold. A lot of people prefer Amazon cause it can be there really fast, <laughs> but, yeah. um, YouTube, one of our favorite videos will go down to the grave saying it's our best favorite video is our wedding video. Um, it just oh, okay. tells the story of our relationship, but also we just love all of those people in that video. I mean, it just means so much to yeah. us. And I think God really, um, mm -hmm. he speaks to different people in different ways through that video because he, he wants to. And I just, I love that video so much. And also, um, the birth of our son Hudson, I would say, I just love the moment videos. Just you know? the two heavy hitters. The two heavies. We yeah. also have a we also have a playlist right on the front page of our YouTube channel that says if you're new here, start yeah, here. Start oh, here. perfect. So, okay, perfect. So there you go. Perfect. Yeah, but um, yeah, Nick and Chelsea on YouTube. Nick and Chelsea uh, for the book. Yeah, you can just type in Marriage Minded Nick and Chelsea on Amazon and it'll pop right up. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, official Nick H for me, anywhere I'm at. And then... Chelsea, Chelsea K. Hurst. Chelsea K. Hurst. That's yeah. you. Uh, Chelsea K. Hurst and Nick yeah. Hurst, thanks so much. It's been really fun to chat. I feel like um, people are going to want to get more from you because you're not just doing entertainment and inspiration. I think there's a lot of insight, depth, like you've, you, as I've said, I, my sense with you is you've lived a few lives already, <laughs> um, yeah. at a young age. And so I, I am just grateful for the, for the conversation and, and excited to, to point people at all these resources. So thanks so much yeah. for joining. Likewise thank you, you, Joanna. Thank you, Joanna. Chelsea and Nick, thanks so much for being on the podcast. Really enjoyed the conversation. Next up, next week, we have David Zoll, author, podcaster with Mark, the Mockingbird podcast. And he's talking about low anthropology, the unlikely key to a gracious view of others and yourself. So basically, we're talking to David Zoll about the anti-self-help movement. I think you're going to really enjoy it. Thanks so much to our sponsors, Compassion Canada, lifting children out of poverty in the name of Jesus and the new podcast, Scripture Untangled, from the Canadian Bible Society. Hey, check us out on our YouTube channel. If you like this podcast, rate, review, anything like that that can help more people find us is super helpful and encouraging. We'd love your feedback. We'd love to know who you want us to interview. We'd love to know what tutorials you want us to make on YouTube. So come and join the conversation. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks so much, and we'll see you next week on Word Me Digital Podcast.